If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hello and welcome to the Full Court Press. Aljay Salveson, Eric France will be joining me in short of moments. Happy Monday to you all for a one-year kickoff time here on December 7th, 2020. We start to wind down at what has been a very bizarre, long, trialed, uh, adverse year for so many of us. Uh, more so, or I guess more serious than others. But again, welcome to the Full Court Press. Happy to have you. A lot to recap. Boy, a busy weekend not only in high school basketball, which continues this week, uh, but Utah State basketball, uh, their game versus BYU, we'll recap that, how it went down. Uh, Frank Miley and uh, a couple players spoke with the Utah State media. Craig Smith's presser has been delayed till 4.15, so he'll speak about then, uh, <laughs> and we'll get the audio then. and, and, and That'll play be fun. Yeah, so we're going to be kind of flying around here for a little bit, Eric and I both will, but Whee! we will get the job done for you. And then we'll play the audio uh, from today throughout tomorrow. And, of course, the Aggies play this Saturday night to conclude their season. Their season will end after Saturday night uh, for football, mercifully, if you want to say that. Uh, and uh, all eyes will turn on to the who the new head coach will be leading the Aggies here in the future. Um, there is rumors. The whole Graham Harrell rumor was that. Just rumor. that. Yep. So, and I think a couple, specifically one person, learned a very valuable lesson about um, voicing facts before they were reported or uh, before they were confirmed. <laughs> so Verified. Yeah, verified, so on and so forth. If you want to join our show, you know how to do so. It's 435-339-0321. That's how you text in to our show. Again, 435-339-0321. And love to hear from our listeners. Uh Gripes, complaints, questions, concerns, compliments, whatever you got, the suggestions. If you want to talk about a certain subject, we're more than happy to talk about it with you. Uh, but had some great reaction, uh, some great listening reaction from uh, you listeners on uh, on Friday. So we uh, hope to have the same, and I think this will spark it in a nice way. Let's go ahead and start off with Saturday night's game at the Spectrum, the home opener for the Utah State Aggies. Ends in heartbreak fashion. Final score, BYU 67 Utah State 64, BYU led by as much as 12, and then uh, led at 10 and a half by as much as 12, uh, and then the Aggies stormed back and just could never really get over the hump. But, you know, I think- uh, yeah, they held BYU scoreless for like five minutes. I mean, certainly that gives you a chance. You can hold your opponent without scoring any points for five minutes. But the problem is, Ajay, is that they dug themselves that hole. At the end of the first half, and just never could really climb back into it through about halfway through the second half. And look, they still gave themselves chances late. Oh, like they had the last plenty couple of, of minutes, opportunities. They had lots of yeah. opportunities. The out of bounds call, the traveling call that didn't get called, it really didn't get reviewed. Yeah, that really sucks. But you know what? Utah State gave themselves plenty of opportunities to win that game. And people say funky things happen when you play the BYU Cougars, especially when you're the victim of of the Utah State Aggies. It's uh, it's just how it's gone for the last nine years now and counting uh, against BYU. I mean, we haven't had them at our place in three years, uh, and yet it and. Then, you know, when we have this big game, then it has to be a sparse crowd due to COVID restrictions. 1,600 were allowed to attend the basketball game, and those tickets went by very quickly. 
But, oh, speaking of tickets, too, we got tickets to give away today. And we're going to talk about later on how to give those tickets away to as the Aggies get ready for the College of Idaho tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. And then they got Weber State on Saturday. That, okay, I, I've been told 2 p.m. Now I'm seeing 12 p.m. So we'll get you a time sooner or later. And then the Aggies play football later that night at 7.30 in Colorado uh, or in Fort Collins versus the Colorado State Rams. 9315 text into our show. And again, if you want to, 435-339-0321 is the number. He says, BYU and Utah State had stretches of play where they did not score points. So if you throw that part out, then the bad calls by the refs decide the game. The biggest mistake by the refs was not ejecting the, the uh, Averitt. And uh, he was the one that shoved Raleigh with a two-handed shove, which he should have been ejected. Uh, also, the uh, end of the game where they did not make the right calls twice. There sure was a travel and out of bounds. I still think that with all that would have that we would have won with Craig Smith being there as the coach. He is worth three points. What do you think? Eric Peterson did a heck of a job. I, I I'm going to give him credit. He did a master. I, I thought he did a wonderful job. But Eric Peterson can't go to the line. And shoot free throws for the Aggies, who went 20 of 29 in the free throw line. He can't take that wide open look for Barristow from the right wing three. He can't take a right wing wide open three from Raleigh. And he can't shoot the game tying free throw for Raleigh. Does coaching matter? Yes, but I feel like Eric is an almost identical twin in regards of the mindset of coaching as it would be for the Aggies. And that's and that's kind of where I sit here is. Look, did calls not go our way? You bet you. I mean, a ref 30 feet away on the other side called an out-of-bounds and reversed a call, which was the incorrect call, reversed it, and said it was BYU's basketball when he was 30 feet away. There was bad calls all over the place, yes. But again, you went 20 of 29 at the free throw line, and you went 2 of 13 from 3. That's not going to win you a lot of basketball games. It hurts you. Um, I I don't mean to nitpick. I don't mean to be that guy. But in rivalry games, that guy, in rivalry games, when a lot's on the line for bragging rights, and it's been eight straight that Utah State has lost to these guys, now make it nine. Um, uh, could Craig Smith have made that much more of a difference? Probably. How? I don't know. But just having your head coach not there in the mix. He is your captain. He's your main guy. He's the one who's in charge of the ship. He's not there. I'm not saying that's a knock on his assistance. I agree with you. I think they did a heck of a job considering the circumstances. But if your head coach is there, maybe it makes a little bit more of a difference. Um, there was that. The referee calls. I think we're absolutely, in, Aggie fans are in their right to be upset about some of those yeah, calls. Yeah, absolutely. And then I just have to bring up Brock Miller. I don't understand. I feel bad. He's a guy that if he doesn't get rhythm early, He's he not just get rid can't of it manufacture it. He just can't. He went, I don't know how many dude. times we've seen this happen. If he's not making <laughs> shots, he will not make shots. He airballed a two-foot floater. Think about that. He had a floater, and he missed everything on a push shot. So I've had several people come up to me and say, hey, what, what's the deal? I mean, why does this guy start? Why does he get so many minutes? I I kind of put my hands up like, I don't know. I'm not the coach. I don't know what this guy does in practice. But it could very well be, A, if he does get rhythm, he's a good asset to have out there on the floor. And B, they may just not have very many other options. 
I mean, this is not a great outside shooting team. At least not now. And so Brock Miller's kind of what you have. You have to go with it. It's <laughs> at least with that size yeah. and his length of his well, arms and for I, defensive purposes as well. I mean, Bear still played a lot of minutes. He kind of has that size and he has that length. He played some decent minutes. He didn't really fill up a box score, but he played similar minutes as Miller. But between the two of them, the Aggies got five points. Yeah. Let's go through the numbers really quickly since you just brought them up. We're going to start on the BYU side. Caleb Lohner, by the way, was 0 of 13 from 3 to start the season. I repeat, 0 of 13. He hit 3 versus Utah State, finished with 11 points, uh, also had 4 fouls, and somehow avoided getting his 5th in the final 5 minutes of the game. Uh, other killers, Alex Barcelo was absolutely phenomenal in 34 uh, minutes. We knew he was going to be the guy to watch out for. 5 boards, uh, 2 assists. Uh, Connor Harding wasn't bad. He he had 33 minutes, 7 points. Uh, Harms had 8. Brandon Averett had 6. Uh, and then the other side, Justin Bean in 33 minutes was not good. He was 1 of 5 from the field, 4-4 four, four at the line. He did have 13 boards, um, but he only had 6 points. Namiya Keta wasn't great either. 39 In 39 minutes, he was uh, 7 of 18. He yeah. had eight boards and eighteen points. Like I, I'm not, I can't be too critical of of Kata. He was going up against a clone to some degree. I mean, oh, yeah, a, a taller yeah, version. He, are we going to keep giving him the pass? No, but because he, I, he goes he, up and I'm not saying I don't think he deserves a pass. I mean, eighteen points, four assists, four steals, eight boards. That's a good line. I mean, he was doing things on the court. Uh, Bean has struggled with his offense. I see, but here Bean was being uh, I don't guarded think we by should a much be critical of Kata. No, I, I I think Bean was being guarded. I, like Harms, I I don't think he's that much better than Loner or Lon, whatever his name is, Loner. Like I think Loner is about as equal to Harms is honestly because Loner gave Bean trouble, and Bean's a pretty more versatile scorer. Uh, so it, it it's hard to say, but I I just haven't seen the Namiya Keta we have the last even last year. I haven't seen the Namiya Keta, and I'm starting to kind of wonder if he was all that we thought he was. I don't know what that he, means. I mean, we thought that he was an NBA type guy. We thought, but that are we starting to a, figure out that maybe he's not? As a freshman, he exploded onto the scene. Sophomore year, battled through some injuries. Um, this year, I thought I think he started off okay. I, I don't know what we expect. Do we expect him to be at 25 and 12? Uh, and four guy every night? I mean, that's a heck of a yeah, lot okay, to ask so, for. But if Matt Harms is his equal to, and he's getting dominated the way he was by Matt, then what does that tell you? Well, he wasn't He wasn't dominated by Matt. I mean, look, He Harms, missed so many bunnies. Harms had eight, only had eight points, but he was big and long, and that's, that's not something that you're going to face every day. And, yeah, but, and you still came up with 18 points, eight boards, four assists, and four steals. So what, four, six of those points were on... Uh, well, I mean, four of how, those were at the line. Okay, four at the line, and then six of those points I'd say were like open dunks. But when it came to Harms guarding him straight up, Keta had a lot of trouble, a ton of trouble. Right, and Keta had to do a little bit more outside, away from the rim, than perhaps he's more comfortable. But actually, that's probably okay that he gets put in those situations to illustrate what he can or can't do, what he needs to work on if he wants to be a next level guy. Go through just a couple more stats, and we're going to go to break. Uh, 36 minutes for Marco Anthony. He was really good, I thought. 17 points, 7 rebounds, and 4. Actually, not 4. Not 4 assists. He had no assist 
and three turnovers. He didn't have a steal. And, and I've liked Marco Anthony. He started a little shaky for Utah State. His shot, outside shot, is maybe a little unconventional. Uh, he, he needs to work on that, uh, be more consistent outside. But uh, I, I think he is showing that older leadership that Utah State needs on this squad. Yeah, that's a good point. Excuse me, that's a good point. Hiccups. Uh, Alfonso Anderson only played seven minutes, didn't record a... He had the personal foul and one assist. Uh, Trevin Dorius only played one minute, and he was called for three seconds in the key in the first half and he didn't see the rest of the game. Are we playing too short of a bench? Uh, what else can you do? You can play guys' minutes, but if they're not going to produce, go with the guys who are going to produce. Yeah. <laughs> That's... Look, there are guys on that Utah State bench that can and should be able to produce more than they are. And agree. hopefully that that flip switches soon. I don't know what's holding them back, but hopefully it comes together for them. Yeah, I'd absolutely agree to that. Let's go ahead and take a break. Coming back, we'll get to more college basketball, BYU and Utah State. Utah State now gets ready for College of Idaho. Craig Smith's about to start his press conference in just a little bit. And uh, we will come back with that and much, much more here on the Full Court Press. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Full Court Press. Eric France and Aljay Salves at 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. Also, our uh, mobile app, 1069thefan, and 1069thefan.com, where we stream. Hey, if you want to find any of our past episodes, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify has them all. Um, we, we post our shows on there, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll hope that you guys will be able to uh, find all the content that you need. We'll post Frank Miley, Craig Smith, and those guys as soon as we got their audio rolled upon. In fact, Craig Smith is just beginning his presser, presser right now as uh, the Aggies... Sorry, what is he starting? His pre-sir? I don't. Stop it right now, Eric. Look, I, I just got to say, I feel I feel your pain, AJ. Uh, this last weekend, sitting there, you know, singing some hymns with the family, and I'm looking at a small screen trying to read the words, and I thought be good. it said one thing, and I, I said something else, and I, I realized as I'm saying it, I tried to switch it mid-word. Which is okay. So here's what I need you to do. I need you to reenact what you were, what you said (laughs) in the singing voice. In the singing voice. Yes. No, Uh, no, I don't think our listeners they deserve deserve that this honor. (laughs) So anyway, I I clearly said it wrong, and I'm just like, uh, you know, I just make get my way through it, and I've got my two teenagers right next to me. Uh, No, actually, it was my a teenager and my 11 year old. And they just started busting up laughing. And we just got the giggles. And we're just laughing. I hate when that happens. And it's supposed to be be quiet. You know, somebody's up there like praying. And we're like, okay, it was supposed to be quiet. It's the worst, man. And we're just like shaking. The bench is shaking because we're trying to hold it in. And my wife's looking over at us afterwards like, what is going on over there? She's all disappointed in you guys. (laughs) You all get sent to your room. We just cannot stop laughing. Uh, again, welcome back to the Full Court Press. Hope you're all having a wonderful Monday as we uh, continue through the month of December. First week of December, I should say. Uh, 9463 texting, Eric. I want to get your thoughts on this. He says, 
I think the Aggies' biggest problem is getting the ball in the basket consistently. It just felt like they didn't have a system in place that allowed them to put the ball in the basket at a high rate. Beans uncomfortable with the ball in his hands. Same with Brock Miller. Keddy can't put it on the floor and move around with it. Raleigh just isn't experienced. It's hard not having a guy like Sam Merrill for situations when you need a bucket and you just can't get one this year. In all four games that they've played this year, they've had at least one scoring drought of two and a half minutes or longer in every single game. Uh, I'd have to look at what the scoring drought was for the Aggies in this one. I believe it was two minutes and it, like 30-something seconds. It wasn't as bad as that five minutes for the Cougars. No. But Utah State did have a few... I'll have to look at the score. I don't know what it was, but it was enough to put him from going like up one to down ten. Yeah, that was in the first half. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. It was about two minutes. Scored a couple buckets, and then it, and they were scoreless for almost the last part of the 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 first quarter or first half. There, excuse me. So yeah, they do have these scoring droughts, and that's a great point. That you know, who's going to go get your bucket when you need a bucket? Yeah, Sam was that guy. Sam could do that, and, and even to some degree. Um, you know, other guys could chip in and do that too, but but you you don't have that steadying force. You don't have that bucket getter. We we knew before coming into the season it would need to be a collective effort. But who who's going to be your guy that can make things happen in crunch time if things stall? A couple of numbers and facts, Eric. Stick on that topic. A couple of numbers that uh, from the game again. This is credit to Kyle Cotton for all his great work. But USU held BYU to 67 points. That's an Aggie opponent low for the season. They held BYU to 36% from the three. Uh, and it's the first time this year that an Aggie opponent had not made double-digit threes in a game. Um, there was one more that stood out to me here. i got to find it now. Uh, did a U- Utah State shot a season low 35% from the field. They shot 15% from three. The two made threes, and 13 attempts for both season lows for Utah State. And Eric, here's a crazy part. They are now 1-3 on the season when out-rebounding its opponent, which means they've out-rebounded every single opponent and have only won one game out of it. That's incredible. Yeah, that, that surprises me. I mean, Utah State had a pretty good rebounding margin against BYU. What was it, 42-35? to 35. 35, yep. Uh, they had more steals, Utah State, 8-3. to three. Uh, assists were pretty even. Utah State didn't have a ton of turnovers, 13 compared to BYU's 14. But it's just that they just, you know, the three point shooting was better for BYU. Utah State only made two. Only two. I mean, the three point defense was better by the Aggies. Now it's a real concern I had going into the game. Mm -hmm. But you got to be able to hit shots yourself. Yeah. Only two. I'm with you. Uh, speaking of that, uh, 2776 text in, only nine months till football season. Calm down. I don't know what next season's going to look like either. Uh, and also, that I thought that Radley was going to ascend to Sam Merrill's status, but his three clanked out. Let me, I'm going to say something with on the, the whole Raleigh Worcester situation right now where it stands. Tell me how many freshmen are willing to take that corner three and how many freshmen are willing to not crap their pants when they go to the line to shoot two. And I mean, look, I know he front-ended the second one, but his legs had to be near gone. Uh, right. Uh, you, you look. You watch him play. You see his, how look, he looks physically. I don't, I don't see a true freshman out there playing. Yeah, me neither. Uh, but you have to kind of step back and think, oh, yeah, this dude's a true freshman. 
So I think you have to give him a little bit of leeway. But consider what he's doing right now for this team as a true freshman. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Uh, it's <laughs> it's interesting that um, it's interesting that you would you would have to look for a freshman to get the help that you need to keep you in a ball game. That's just unreal to me. I mean, they didn't look to free. I mean, it was they're like, hey, Raleigh, we need you. And we heard Coach Smith talk about this on Friday. That look, Raleigh has to be that guy who's going to take the burden, who's going to take the load and carry it. Who's going to, uh, you know, have to be the major product of this team because that's what we expect out of him. That's who he is, and they have that confidence in him. And I mean, honestly, Raleigh, Raleigh, excuse me, has the confidence in himself that he's going to go out there and make a play. And I mean, look again. I know he front ended the second free throw to keep it to a one point lead for BYU, but how many other guys go to that free throw line and just miss the first one? I mean, dude, he didn't even touch rim on the first one. He hit all net. Kid's incredible. Yeah. I've I loved watching him. I have nothing against him. Um, I don't put the loss on him in any way, shape, or oh, no. form. Nope. I, I thought he was phenomenal, Eric. No, I, I agree. I, I agree. I, I love watching him play and how much he's helping the team early on. Um, I just, I, I think Utah State's in a situation that they just they have to go with who they have and what they and just deal with the best that they can. With the situation, because if the outside shooting isn't there, they, they've got to figure out how to run plays. Just a little, if it's not working for Brock, run some plays to get him some guaranteed, quick, easy looks close to the basket. Just layups, just run something for him. Yeah. Get him some confidence. Get him some rhythm because the, they need him. Oh yeah, really need him because yeah. he has that skill. He has that ability. But if he's cold early, just I haven't seen very many games where he's able to shoot himself back into it. You know what I going back. But to he, was, they need the experience that he has, yeah. years in the program. They, they got to get that figured out. You're, you're talking about Miller, is that right? Yeah, Brock. Yeah. I don't think we're gonna see it. I don't, I don't think we're gonna see it, man. Uh, I don't know who else they have though. I mean, who has that size and that shooting ability? Okay, well, the shooting ability he doesn't have. Like, there is no shooting ability with Brock right now, and it hasn't been there for like the last two years. But I put Barristow in for Brock Miller, and I let Barristow start. Like, Barristow just, I mean, is and that, I know he's still trying to get back into it. <laughs> I don't know that there's a, dr- a, a dramatic change one way or the other. You're just you're trading would one you guy say, who has more experience than but another would guy. Would you say that Barristow would be an upgrade, even if it's slightly compared to Miller right now? I don't know because Barstow has been Mr. Turnover for at least he was in San, in uh, South Dakota. He wasn't though the other night. He no, was okay. He was okay. But Brock Miller airballed a two foot floater. I mean, hit nothing, man. And then he airballed a three, I think, too. Actually, if I remember right from the corner, I'd have to look. But yeah, he or if it didn't, it grazed rim. It grazed rim. That's just kind of where we're at. And Alfonso has been bad. Alfonso is just not even well, and that. Yeah, I I would hope that something gets figured out there with with Fonz because they they need him, they need that experience, they need his skill set. I uh, I also want. I, don't. I liked the defense. I, I liked how Utah State held BYU below where they normally go. I mean, they held them way below their their averages for threes. There were things that Utah State did well, but 
uh, one of our earlier texts was right, right on. I mean, who who goes to get buckets when you need a bucket? And, and I know we're going with that answer. It's going to be Raleigh. But speaking of Raleigh, can I tell you what I really loved? And I probably ought to be careful how I say it, too. But I loved him turning around and talking smack to Averett. Like, Everett says something, and you know what? Raleigh didn't even hesitate. He stepped right in his grill, and I can't repeat what he said, but I'm a good lip reader. Uh, and Averett gave him a... And by the way, the two-handed shove is an automatic ejection in any, in any league, in basketball, high school, college, or NBA. So, Mr. Charles Nixon, uh, while you're wondering why you may or may not be suspended for refing because you did a bad job, also read the rule book that it's an automatic ejection for a full two-handed shove. Which he gave to Raleigh. But I just love how Raleigh's like, I ain't going to walk away from you. Like, you, you want to talk? I'll talk back. I'm not scared. It's just, it's awesome to see a guy who's willing to have that kind of sass. I, I, I'll take it anytime. Uh, 9315 text in. He wants to know how many points Brock Miller has on the season. He's right now averaging just under six and a half. Okay, so I just added it up. Give it to me. 25 points through four games. Eight against VCU, five against South Dakota State, nine against Northern Iowa, and then three last night or Saturday night. All right. So in that span, uh, what? Make sure I've got the right numbers here. Uh, Keta leads the team with sixty-two. Marco has fifty-five. Wooster has fifty-one. And then there's a sincere drop-off with Bean at thirty-nine, Miller at twenty-five, and Ashworth at sixteen. Yeah. So the question about. Bearstow replacing Miller. And he's got 11. Uh, yeah, I'm with you now. 9463 texts in. Bearstow, although more athletic, produces just as much as Miller. He can't score, and that's what they need. He doesn't solve the problem. He flies around the court a little better, but but Brock provides spacing. But well, do you think that spacing, and I ask you this, and I'm not trying to be a smart aleck, I promise, 9463, but is. Is there spacing if Brock Miller keeps missing threes and they're like, you know what, just leave him open. If he hits one, good for him. Like, we're going to double Raleigh, and we're going to just sick ourselves on Raleigh and Bean. That's all we're going to worry about. We'll leave Brock open. Does it eliminate spacing if he continues to not score? Well, yeah, if if he can't, if he's not going to knock him down, then you're right. It's The spacing is going to be, they won't care. They're like, okay, leave that guy open, give him space, drop back a little. So you need to, if you need to help somewhere else, you can. But um, Brock needs to be able to hit that shot so that defenses respect him. Even if he's not going to be on every night, they need to know that hey, this guy can hit. He can. He has that potential. Yeah. So we have to respect it. Yep, absolutely. And if you got a guy down low, two guys down low that can get whatever they, you know, not necessarily everything they want, but if they can do damage in the post. Uh, then defenses collapse on them to slow them down. Man, you need those outside shooters. They got to make shots. Like, Barristow has no reason to miss a wide-open right-wing three. I mean, dude, he had nobody near him. And they, in fact, I think the guy was supposed to go after him and, you know, and challenge the shot, stopped halfway through and said, shoot it, I dare you. Make it. Like, they're challenging guys, with the exception of Raleigh, they're challenging guys to make threes, to make perimeter shots. And when I say challenging, they're leaving them wide open. Right. Like, okay. Do it. Go for it. Dude, and okay. Look, I love Namish Keta. He shouldn't be shooting a three in a game. 
If you want to go shoot it in practice, by all means. If if it's something that he has been working on in practice, and coaches feel like we feel like you can make this shot, I'm okay. If he'll if he can stretch and pull the 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 defend the big defender away from the basket, and he has that threat, we can but, make that shot. Yeah, you but if want- it's not. If he's going to be wildly inaccurate, then no, just don't bother. So you're okay with having a possession end in a Keta attempted three? If coaches and Keta feel confident that he's con- has a high probability of making that shot, yeah. Uh, six, five. You, what if Keta starts making those shots consistently, Ajay? Then great, but I want to see it consistently what before he starts that doing is. it. I want to see that can- opens up a, a whole new world for Justin Bean. Absolutely. But I don't think Cat is a guy who's going to make consistent threes, if I'm going to be honest right now. A 6543, uh, we got your text. And again, we would like to send you to Utah State uh, with any complaints or questions or concerns. That is above my pay grade. Um, and I feel like we, we've answered those questions. And so, again. Um, questions uh, about media rights. Yeah, just I, I, I go to Mr. Hartwell, Utah State, and. And voice your concerns, and that's the best answer we can possibly give you on that. But as far as like how to find the game, like online or on TV, that was not on TV for some stupid. Yeah. By the way, that's not weird. Oh, yeah. By the way, we are told to complain that we are allowed to complain about the Mount West Conference not doing their job. (laughs) Wait, who who gave you permission to complain about the Mountain West? I just curious. Uh, I can't say that on air. (laughs) But we've been told. I would give you permission anytime. I'm just. Uh, Who else gave you permission to complain? <laughs> uh, but the Mount West Conference uh, handcuffed Utah State until it was too late to find a TV broadcast. Um, so there's that. So it was either BYU TV or in which I honestly, I don't know if I could have done that. Like even with the result of the football game, I don't know if I want a BYU broadcast there. So anyways, uh, this Saturday's game will be on KJAS TV with Weber State in Ogden. That game's at... Two or twelve, I have no idea. I'll find out. But yeah, uh, tomorrow night's game's not on TV, right? Tomorrow night's game's on stream. I think Mount West stream, maybe. Uh, I don't know. I I have no idea either. I gotta look that up. I have to look it up. Uh, it's not two seven seven six. It's not ninety eight. One hundred percent of TVs from the last five years have apps you can use to stream these games. There you okay, go. well, that's true, but it kind of it changed what we thought it was going to be. It became something different, and I mean, like twenty four hours before the game. Anyway, we don't need to beat that dead horse. <laughs> uh, Eric, Eric, let me ask you this really quickly. We talked about the bench. Does this rotation continue to shrink itself? I mean, Dorius played one minute, had a three-second call, and they benched him. Liam McChesney, um, Liam McChesney has played, I think, like four minutes. Matthew Wickhouse has played one. Zahar Vichiev has played one minute. Like, this, there, there is no room for error coming off the bench, it seems like. That if you screw up, you weren't seeing the court the rest of the day. Well, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I, I think tomorrow is going to be a really big and very important game for this Utah State basketball program. Good thought. Uh, I, I think that you're going to see a much deeper bench. I think you're going to see different lineups. I think you're going to see 
guys that we haven't seen a lot of outside of maybe the first game, first or second game, start to see more time again. And look, the first or, first and second game, they didn't know who they had, what they really had. Because what you can see in practice doesn't always translate to when the lights are on and when the official game clock gets started. And so they kind of had to figure that out as they went. And against Northern Iowa, they went with a short bench. Look, we're going to go with the guys that have proven over these last few games and in practices who we can rely on. Uh, they went with that, pretty much that same group on Saturday night. Tomorrow, they're going to have a chance to have some other guys get a second chance. Like, look, okay, I'm working on things. This is how I can help. This is how I can contribute. Maybe I deserve a little bit more time in the rotation. But I don't know. Uh, I think this is a really important game for USU just to fine-tune and work out some kinks and rotations. Again, that game will be without Craig Smith. He's out for tomorrow night. They're hoping to have him back into the, uh, I guess, Wayne Estes Center for practice on Wednesday and then have him roam the sidelines for the Weber State game next or this this upcoming Saturday. Then they play Dixie State next Wednesday, and then it's conference play a week after that. It's San Jose State at our place uh, to open up conference play December 21st and 23rd. Uh, looking at a couple of numbers, check out these mind-boggling stats. On the season, Eric, teams are shooting 42% from three on the Aggies. They are 47 of 110. Uh, teams have taken 110 threes in f- in, four in four games. games. Yes, that's a real problem. Meanwhile, the Aggies are 29% from three, 20 of 69. Uh, at the line right now, they are 70 of 98 are the Aggies. That's 71%. That's not good. While teams' uh, opponents are 81% right now, 45 of 55. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, I mean, the Aggies are getting to the line. They just start making them. Uh, let's see. From the field, Aggies are shooting 40%. Opponents are shooting 45%. And from, I already said from three, from three, from the free throw line. Yeah. I mean, those are just, those are numbers right there just from the shooting side of things or, or the way that things look. Teams have 60, uh, a lead of 60 to 43 on assist. But Aggies are out-rebounding teams I'm going to make sure I have this right, too. I just lost it. Yeah, Aggies are out-rebounding teams, 149 to 123. But the Aggies have 10 more turnovers, 60 to 50. Wow. It's trouble. I mean, out of those numbers, what do you want to see improved? I'm not surprised to hear any of those numbers you just read. Oh, okay. Because okay. there's so the guard play is totally different, complete turnover in your guards, and trying these are it's all what seven nine new players on this team. You're, there's going to be some uh, some <laughs> a bit of a downturn from where it was before with the 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 skill and the experience of Sam Merrill, Abel Porter, and Diogo Brito. There's going to be a drop-off in three-pointers, in free throws, in ball handling. You, you wouldn't, I mean, you'd hope that the new guys coming in, you'd have somebody there that can come in and, and fit into something like that. Not to totally replace Sam. It's next to impossible to replace Sam Merrill. But to not be such a, a detriment on the court. But this, 
these guys need a little bit of time in this system with Craig Smith and his staff, and they need a tune-up game to get that settled a little bit, to get caught up to speed. So uh, I'm not totally shocked. Yes, it's disappointing. I'm not totally floored to hear those numbers. 9315 texted in, actually, and you pretty much answered it. What was caused the drop-off from last year to this year's team in shooting? And like you said, Brito, Porter, and Merrill. That's a big loss right there with those three guys alone. But I think it's going to... I feel like we're going to trend upward. I like at some point, I feel like we, we're going to trend upward. I don't know when that's going to hit. Hopefully soon. But I have confidence in Barristow. I have a lot of confidence in Wooster. Um, Marco, I have confidence in too. And look, I, I think that Brock Miller can be there. I think he can be consistent. This coaching staff has to find ways if he's not early. If it's not working for him early, they've got to find ways for him to see the ball go through the hoop. Whether it's to get a foul, uh, force the issue, go to the free throw line, see the ball go through the hoop, and let him open it up a little bit. Because if he can, I'm not saying he's we could ex- should expect a 20-21-point performance regularly out of Brock Miller, but if he can knock down a couple three-point shots and be 9-12 to 12 points a-, a night, that's what they need. And that's what they should expect out of somebody with his experience and with his skill set. Hey, is your Twitter account open? Yes. Go to the Washington football team really quickly. Oh, man, they might have deleted it. If they did, come over to my computer and look at this. We're going to go to break. I bet you money they deleted it. (laughs) Someone's getting fired in about two seconds. Somebody is certifiably smooth? Nope. Come walk over to my computer. We're going to go to break, and then... uh, (laughs) We're going to, uh, I've, I've got to show you this, but an intern is about to lose his job. Uh, <laughs> of course, they are playing right now on Monday night. <laughs> you got to come read this. It's the Full Court Press on 106.9 The Fan. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 106.9thefan.com. Full Court Press here, Eric France and AJ Salveson. Thanks for joining us. However and wherever you are doing so from. Uh, Coach Smith's presser is just wrapped up. We'll cut some bites from it so you can hear from Coach Smith as the Aggies get ready to face College of Idaho tomorrow without Coach Smith. Again, he should, they're hoping, be back by Wednesday. Uh, and then he'll be ready to roam the sidelines for Weber State coming up on Saturday afternoon. By the way, we have some tickets to give away for tomorrow night's game between College of Idaho and Utah State at the Spectrum, 7 o'clock game time. We will, in the 5 o'clock hour, give away those tickets. So stay tuned for that. We got two pair, I believe. So uh, stay tuned. We'll uh, we'll give those tickets away then. Um, and then don't forget about USU women's basketball. They got a big game tonight, 7 o'clock versus BYU. Fans are allowed to be there. They are limiting fan attendance, I believe, to 1,600, I think. But uh, Kayla Ard will get her uh, first dose of the BYU-Utah State rivalry from the women's basketball perspective. Uh, she is she's a good coach. I love what Kayla Ard's doing. Look, they're going to struggle through the first portion of the, se- uh, you know, of the season, especially in her first year. We all expected that to happen. 
But the way that her team's competing, now they lost to Seattle in a heartbreaker, had a six-point lead, I believe, with 25 seconds left, um, and uh, Seattle hit two threes to tie it up. I think it was a five-point lead, actually. And Seattle was found a way to tie it up, take it overtime, and then won on a, a last-second shot to beat Utah State. But Coach Hart's got this team, the women's team, in the right direction, trending in the right direction. Now, of course, BYU is a different animal, both in women's basketball as well. They'll create a problem, uh, but I, I feel like Kayla Art is going to find a way to make sure these girls uh, will compete and uh, that she'll put her players in the best position to to go out and win a ba- big basketball game. How would it be? I mean, Coach Art in her first year to beat BYU. That, that would be something. So, again, that game is at 7 o'clock tonight uh, at the Spectrum. You can go get your tickets and uh, go support the Lady Aggies and uh, as they get ready to uh, take on the Cougars. I'm sick of BYU. Hey, and by the way, another thing that really, uh, before we move on from the BYU conversation, another thing that really bothered me was the celebration by Barcelo, uh, by Harms, like after the game. They were just, I mean, they're sitting there. It's the first time they played in front of fans the whole entire season. But boy, they were just thrilled to to get out of the win. They're mocking the crowd, especially Harms. Like I, I, he's so linked. I was kind of hoping he'd fall on his face as he's running to the tunnel. I would have been absolutely okay with that. <laughs> but it was just annoying. Like they're flexing towards the crowd, and I'm like, Harms, you scored freaking eight points, dude. Put your damn arms down. Barcelo, sure, he can talk all he wants. But on the other side of it, dude, Coach Pope. So Mark Marco Anthony is just uh, coming off the court, and and I was right there, and, and he and Mark Pope came over and grabbed his arm and said, "You're going to be a special player. Like this is going to be a good team. Stick with it. And you guys, you know, that that was a hell of a ball game, and um, that was fun to that was fun to be a part of. Like said those words to Marco, and Marco's like, "Thanks, I think. I mean, it just the classiness from him is 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 awesome." So, uh, I love, look, I, I'm not, I don't like BYU. Uh, the staff at Utah State does not like BYU. But I, I, had a, I have a little bit more respect for what, you know, Sataki and Pope and who those guys are after a game. That they have some class. It's kind of nice to see. <laughs> Change. Hey, uh, let's go ahead and get to see. Uh, we got some text here. 7772. I'm excited to see how they handle a game where they are favorite tomorrow. That's called Javido, Utah State. They should be able to experiment with a different offensive scheme to figure out how to put some more points on the board. 9315 text in, uh, does it make a huge difference if the spectrum is full? Yes. I would tell you right now it makes a massive difference between 1,600 and 10,600 standing room only. Yeah, I think it makes a big difference. If, if students are are there, if if that arena is full, um, those those environments help your fringe guys play good, your good players play great, and your great players play elite. And it also it, it gets in the head of, of your opponents too. And it can it, it that crowd is great at getting after guys. And that's this BYU team. While they have some players, uh, they haven't had. I don't see this team as having like the the, the, the knockout talent like they've had in the past. So it's all that being said, BYU has had Utah State's number now nine straight times, regardless of the venue. 
regardless of who's head coach and regardless of who's on the court. Yep. And like honestly, I thought last year they had a great shot to beat the uh, beat the Cougars. Yeah, me too. But TJ Haas and that Tulson kid was just incredible. He is something to watch. Um, but that was just, that was just too much for a Utah State team who was relying on Sam Merrill a lot to get the help that he needed productive productively to score. Um, seven 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 two texted in again, uh, just about the offensive scheme and to experiment, uh, and about you know and finding a way to put some more points on the board. I think you throw everything in the can tomorrow. I think you say, you know what, let's try this, let's try this, let's try. It. You get all the, like, just get it all out of your system. Whatever you want to try, let's try it tomorrow versus the College of Idaho. Right. Look, we, we've been trying a few things, but we haven't been able to go too, too regular on it, to keep going on it, to keep fine-tuning it, to get more automatic with it, uh, with some of the games. And this is this is the type of game tomorrow night to help them to do that. Yeah. I would definitely agree with that. Let's go ahead and take a break. We'll come back. We'll wrap it up here on the first hour of the Full Court Press. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, The Fan. All right, let's wrap it up here on another edition of Full Court Press. Hour number one coming to a close here in about two minutes. Um... I want to go back to the experiment part on the text from 7772. Again, like I said in the previous segment, you don't leave anything to chance. You throw whatever you got out there. I mean, I'd like to see an all-big lineup just to see what it looks like. Um, I know you can't have, I guess, a lot of court time without Raleigh Wooster on the court. He's got to be on the court because he's such a prolific, he's such a great scorer. But maybe you try an all-big lineup and just see where that gets you. I don't know what it would look like. I don't know what, how awkward it would look. But, again, the problem is if when you, when you try all these lineups, Eric, I just don't know how long you can go without not having Raleigh on the court. It's just too hard. Well, I think that's what this does, right? Give, give Barstow significant minutes. Give Ashworth oh, significant minutes. Ashworth said, I, yeah, and I like seeing Ashworth on the court. But you can't take it away from Raleigh either. He's a young player. No. He needs to understand the speed of the game and have responsibilities. But uh, you, you got to put these other guys, give them some time on the court, give them responsibility where they can fail, but it's not going to be, you know, critical for the sure. team. Sure. Uh, I was I was kind of intrigued with the thought of like Barristow, Marco, um, Alfonso, and Keta. They give me four or five. Barristow, Marco, Alfonso, Keta, and Bean on the court. Maybe even Dorius and Keta on the court. I just I know it kind of look a little bit dorky because you know Dorius isn't as, as athletic as Keta. Yeah, I I'd love to see Alfonso have extended minutes. He needs to figure, extended minutes so badly. Figure things out. Yeah. Brock Miller get in some rhythm. Yeah. Um, but then some of these other guys too that need to get more comfortable in the gym, wearing an Aggie uniform, in the spectrum. You know, playing meaningful minutes. So, hopefully. All right, second hour of the Full Court Press coming up here in just moments. Wow. The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. 
Flying by the seat of our pants, Eric France and Aljay Salveson here on the Full Car Plus. 5.01 p.m., your start time here for the hour number two. Hey, you are looking to do something tomorrow night, okay? Uh, you're bored, you're all home, you need a friend, and you want to go with a friend. Good news for you. Go ahead and, yeah, just make that sound right there into the mic. Yes, that is not That's Eric sound. making weird lip sounds. That is four tickets to Utah State College of Idaho game tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Are we going to give away a pair or four? Let's give away two pair. Okay, there we go. Let's spread it around. Yeah, let's spread the love around. It's Christmas time. We're going to spread the love. Two pair of Aggie tickets uh, to go to, to Utah State College of Idaho tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Um, how do we want to give these away? I know, production live on air, but that's how it goes sometimes. How should we give these away? Um, it's a good question. Uh, do, do we have a question we could ask? Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. Who won pick six? You just say AJ or Eric. And if you're right, we'll give you a pair. The, the first two people who get it right. We have not revealed who won pick six yet. I mean, I've tallied it. I know. But you can text in right now. I'm covering it so AJ can't see. Why? Text in right now. If you no, here's the first thing: you have to be able to go. You have to be able to use these tickets. I don't want somebody <laughs> to go on in to eBay to get hey, an answer. Forty dollars. Oh, I'm glad I won, but I I'm not going to be able to make it. So here's the thing: you have to be able to go. And number two is say who won pick six: AJ or Eric. And the first two people to get it correct will get tickets to go see Utah State take on College of Idaho tomorrow night. In the spectrum. Is that fair enough? Yeah. But who won? Can you well, just... We have to wait till we get submissions. Okay, signal me. One for AJ, two for you. Just give me a number. Uh, 9315 text in. Is it bad for... I'm guessing he means Bean. Is it bad for Bean and Keta to be on the court at the same time? No, because it worked last year. I don't think it's bad. I, I think it's. I think it's good. I think it's great. Yep, absolutely. And then 315 says Eric. Well, 9315 just lost my friendship and two tickets. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, I don't think it's bad to have Bean and Kenna no, on the court I think at the it's same needed. time. It, it worked last year. It's just, I don't, th- I don't know. I just think they're looking for someone to lead the team, like who has that. And I think Raleigh's getting there. It's just that he's a freshman. Like not even Sam as a freshman, I don't think could have led the team. Well, Marco's improving. I, I think Marco can be can be that leader. Yeah, he was around the team all last year. It's not like he just came out of nowhere. He was with the team all last year. Yeah. Uh, nine hey, four seven four says AJ. Time out. Wait. So we got to vote for so for wait, each of us. Wait. What if more than three people vote for you and get it right? Then what? I, I said the first two people who. Text in and get it right. Oh, okay. Interesting. So the first two. Oh, wait. No, 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 no. Have them project how many we got right, too. No, we don't. Got to keep it simple. Come Make on. it easy. Make it simple. Keep it simple, stupid. I mean, if you want to time. add that, that's fine, but it so will not be a qualifier. If you put six to zero, you get four tickets instead of a pair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Deal. So uh, anyways, uh, no, I look. I, I think, um, I think, 
don't know if Bean's the problem. I just think no, it's just trying to find some chemistry within the offense itself. I that's that's it. It's just trying to find the right combinations of guys, find the right guys that are there that are going to be able to compete and run the system. Okay, so, so these guys may be just overwhelmed trying to understand yeah. what Coach Smith and his staff are asking of them. Yeah, I mean, like do you remember last year? I think it was in our our first press conference with Coach, and we were asking about just that because. I mean, there was a bunch of new guys that were coming into the team, and it was like, how? I mean, how are they going to handle Craig Smith's complex offensive scheme? And uh, and it, it took a couple of games, but then it worked out just fine. I'm with you, but let me ask you: What is the right amount of guys, or what is, in your opinion, personal opinion, Coach Franson, who would be that right mix of guys to have on the court when you have to, when you need it? When you need down the stretch clutch minutes, who's your guys? Uh, who are my who are my five guys I want on the court? Give me five guys and one guy off the bench. Okay, Keta, Bean, okay, Raleigh, Marco, <laughs> and that's where I get that's where it gets sticky for me. I really can't get past four. Really? Okay, I mean mine's because the others that may be on the list, they just haven't quite been consistent this year so i have a hard time who's that fifth yeah, and but sixth we're guy only four games in right i mean you're, it's gonna take a minute i maybe. should be able to say brock miller and alfonso anderson you, but i have a hard time saying that i'm right sorry now. but i wasn't gonna say brock miller even if we're 10 games in i'm i just am not seeing well, it. Who would you, who's gonna replace him okay so here's what i've got i've got bean Keta, raleigh marco Berstow. Barstow hasn't proven to be any more consistent I, than Miller has. I think has. Barstow catches on quicker. I think he's a more efficient player. I think he's a more he's a smarter player. Um, Is he? He's turned the ball I over do. more than Brock has, and Brock has scored more points than he has. Yeah, but Raleigh dribbles into double teams too. Like, I mean, it happens to everybody. He's a sophomore. Like, that's what you forget. Is that Barstow's a sophomore? That's uh, true. And Raleigh's a freshman. Like, let's take it easy on these guys for a little bit. I mean, now if you're a junior making those mistakes, then shame on you. I got a text from somebody saying, easy on Brock Miller. Look, I'd go easy on him, but I haven't seen a whole lot from him. Well, uh, and, then, and, and then my said, one guy off the bench is going to be, Alf, no, Trevin Dorius. Why? Physicality. The kid's so physical. Like, he's he's willing to push you around. How many minutes has he played outside of that one game? That's not his call, though. He can't, like, it's hard to get over the hump when, like, Alfonso is automatically the sixth guy off the bench. Like, I think Dorius is a good basketball. In fact, I don't even, I'd almost switch between Dorius and Ashworth. I really like Steven Ashworth. Defensively, he's a mess. It looks lost like crazy. Uh, and those things but are going still, to improve as the season goes. Yeah. With so many new players learning the system. And that was one thing, something that uh, Stu Morrow was famous for. Scheduling softer non-conference, which drew, drove all of us crazy. <laughs> but it helped his team figure each other out and understand his system. So when it came to conference play, they were a well-oiled machine that could not be stopped. Now, Craig Smith has had a different philosophy, and granted, there's some real strengths to it too. Like you got to schedule well early in the year so you can have better opportunities at the end of the year. Um, and so sometimes that can be a bit of a struggle if your team's not all there just yet. But you need these types of games like they have tomorrow to work on those little details to fine-tune it in the game because uh, they haven't had many opportunities to do that. So uh, I've said before, I, I think Brock Miller has that opportunity. I think he has that ability. Uh, I just He's been inconsistent, and I hope that this coaching staff can find ways 
to get him in rhythm early if he doesn't look like he's in rhythm early. How and how long does it take him, him to late. get in? Yeah, but how long does it take him to get in rhythm? Like what? <laughs> Raleigh goes out there and hits a jumper from like 15 feet out on the left corner of the elbow, no problem. Brock goes out there and has a wide open three and graces the rim. Well, no I, offense, I get that, but, but what other options do you have? It's, it's, it's not like there's a scorcher on the bench that's just not getting minutes because you, this is a coaching staff that's uh, determined to play their veteran guys. It's clearly not the case because you've got a true freshman running your point guard. I think we can maybe get, and I think you're right, I, I feel like we're going to get a lot of answers tomorrow night versus College of Idaho of guys you're going to see extreme minutes and guys you'll see maybe limited minutes. I think you play everybody, though. I think like you, like last year, remember when we held, we held Sam Merrill and Namish Keta out? And like they, I mean, Sam was, <laughs> I guess the conversation was Sam walked into the office, sat down and said, and coach said, uh, we're not going to, no, Sam told him, you better not tell me I'm not playing tonight. And coach said, well, then <laughs> you're not going to like what I hear. You're not playing tonight. And so Sam was, you know, wasn't thrilled about it, but he understood too. I think tomorrow night you play everybody. Everybody starts, everybody plays. No, I mean, you're one and three on the season right now. You need the experience, you need the reps, and you need the chemistry to be better. So, uh, then three one zero text in. Why does Justin Bean feel the need to shoot a three every game? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm dumb. But if that's something that this coaching staff is working on to get their big men to be able to shoot threes, okay. They have so let to me take ask you shots. this: Who would you rather have shoot a three, Bean or Keta? Probably Bean. I'd have Keta. Yeah, I'd have Keta. Kenneth Stroke looked a little bit more, uh, I don't know if normal's the word. Conventional? Yeah, just looked a little bit more smooth than Bean did. And I think Ked, and Ked is not uncomfortable shooting from three. Bean looks like he's uncomfortable shooting from three. Uh, by the way, a reminder, if you want to go see Utah State take on College of Idaho, you don't have your tickets, we have some we can give you. We have two pair. Here's the only way to, to, yeah, you, to you win You got to put it. the caveat in there. Text in 435-339-0321 or message us directly through the 106.9 The Fan mobile app and let us know who won pick six. We've got a vote for each of us so far. So one of you is correct. It was not a tie, I will say that. So one of you is correct, but we need one more. We still have another pair to give away. So before we can reveal pick six, we need a few more votes. Uh, nine three one zero says AJ won. Yes, it's, it's two votes for AJ. But here's the thing: is that you sound like you're already giving it away. You know that, right? Like your voice inflection says that you you you're giving it away. I'm giving it away. Yeah. Well, I'm not sorry that you're giving the answer away already, because you are really happy about this, and so your voice inflection says that I lost. No, I'm not. I'm just so th- congratulations. This is a different way to do it. Your voice inflection that you are excited says five seven six three text in says Eric won, and then four 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 six texted in and said Eric. Oh come so on! We've got three votes for me, two votes for you, people. Now remember, we said the first ones in with the first correct answers. Okay, so should we go to break? Come back and announce it. Let's do that. We'll call a timeout here in the full court press. When we come back, we'll reveal. The, the six things we thought might happen this past weekend. And Eric won. Congratulations. I'm so happy for you. Uh, I don't know about that. I hope, I hope you're all thrilled. I hope you're happy that you did.
didn't have any faith in me. Go to the break. The answer is... You're listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show. So this is a great opportunity for Jameis Winston. And I think this is fascinating theater. Because the only person that people think could maybe help or save Jameis Winston is somebody like a Sean Payton. So the betting on yourself worked for Cam. Now Jameis Winston bet on himself and he's going to get an opportunity. The Doug Gottlieb Show. Weekday afternoons from 1 to 4 on Sports Talk Radio. 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Great Basin Graphics has the experts to create business designs, apparel, and products that will make your employees and customers look fantastic. Great Basin Graphics simply has the best screen printer and equipment in town. The holidays are on their way, and now is the time to design and order the perfect gifts for staff, family, company parties, or client gifts. Great Basin Graphics will make people look and remember with the perfect holiday gifts. Stop by their new location at 966 West 400 North to see hundreds of great holiday ideas or go to greatbasingraphics.com for screen printing, embroidery, and graphic design options. When the open road opens and you're ready to go, we're here at Valvoline Instant Oil Change. With the same stay-in-your-car oil change, the same expert care you can trust, and the same quality service that's rated 4.6 out of 5 stars, where you get in and out quickly without ever having to leave the safety of your car. Let's get ready for the road ahead. Valvoline Instant Oil Change. Service you can see. Experts you can trust. Now open at 695 North Main, Logan. This is Jeff John, head golf professional at Logan River Golf Course. Happy holidays from all of us down at Logan River, and thanks for your support during this crazy year we've had. It's time once again for our annual holiday punch pass sale. We have our regular punch passes, senior punch passes. We have a great combination junior punch pass, as well as half passes for regulars and seniors. If you're a member of the Men's or Ladies Association, you can take another $10 off the already discounted price. Happy holidays from all of us at Logan River Golf Course. Play well, play fair, play fast. Getting engaged. Engaged? For more than a century, SC Needham Jewelers has been selling diamond engagement rings. For five generations, we've been selling natural diamonds. Now making history, we're excited to introduce lab-grown diamonds to our selection. These are beautifully cut diamonds and are man-made. They do save you money. Come examine these new diamonds, then select the perfect ring. You'll get SC Needham quality at internet pricing. Open 10 to 7, where Utah gets engaged. SC Needham Jewelers, middle of the block, at the sign of the clock. The new home for the full court press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Full court press. Eric France and Audrey Salas from 516. Your time here on the December 7th, Monday evening. Thanks for joining us, however, and wherever you're doing so. Hope your Monday is as good as ours. Uh, if you want to text into the show, 435-339-0321. With questions, concerns, we can talk Aggie football, Aggie basketball. Women's basketball plays tonight versus BYU, 7 p.m. at the Spectrum. Go get your tickets. I don't think they're sold out yet, but uh, see if they are. Call in or go to the ticket office and see what they got. Try and get over there and support the Lady Aggies as Kayla Ard makes her debut in the BYU-Utah State rivalry. Um, it was a good start for Utah State, uh, women's basketball. They've kind of struggled a little bit. They've competed, though. I mean, that Seattle yeah. game, they were up five with 24 seconds left, blew it, and then went to overtime and lost on a last-second shot. Uh, they're competitive a lot more than they were the last two years, I would say. Yeah, picked last in the league. I think they'll do much better than that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so here's what the uh, deal is. We had two pair of Aggie men's basketball tickets for tomorrow night's game versus College of Idaho, 7 p.m., 
Um, again, if you go to the game, wear your mask. You're required to wear a mask. So bring your mask and plan on wearing it the whole entire game. Yes. Can't take it off. So uh, there's that. And if you win, you have to, A, be able to go to the game. Okay, so if you win, you're going to the game tomorrow night, and B, you need to be able to come pick up the tickets here at our uh, Castify Media Group offices, 810 West, 200 North. Before 5.30 tomorrow night. There you go. So uh, here's the deal. Uh, we have a pick six. Six lines. Six lines that we have uh, results of, and Eric won. He gave it away by his voice inflection of excitement <laughs> when he was talking about it, so this sucks to be me. <laughs> but go ahead, Eric. Why don't you just go ahead and read the results anyways? Here are the six. Here are the six. Whatever. Sarah dies at the things. end of the movie. By by the way, the killer gets her. Namiyash Keta blocks versus BYU. We set the line at two and a half. He did not have any zero. That kind of surprised me, actually. Me too. I, I took the under. You took the over. So that's one for me. Which was the higher scoring game in the Mountain West? San Jose <laughs> I hate you. San Jose against Hawaii or Fresno versus Nevada? That was a bad one by you, by the way. It was a dumb line. That was really close, actually. And you won. San, San Jose, Hawaii combined 59 points. Fresno State, Nevada combined 63. We both picked Fresno and Nevada, so we both got that right. See, so you're in the game. Nine four seven four and five seven six three. Come by the offices tomorrow. <laughs> top top twenty five upsets. No, it's I nine, hate you. You gotta make me feel good. It's nine three one five and five seven six three. Is that what you said? Uh, so nine three one five and five seven six three. If if I get it right, if it's you, come by the offices tomorrow. Nine four seven four and nine three one zero. Okay, so top twenty five upsets in college football. Set the line at two and a half. There were five. Surprised me. There were five upsets. Um, I took the over. You took the under. I got that one right. So far, I'm three for three. Uh, this is so dumb. Coastal Just tell Carolina, me that I lost. Coastal Carolina versus BYU. People got to make plans tomorrow. You set the line Cougars by 21 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I took the under. You took the over. <laughs> by the way, it was Coastal Carolina by five. I told you. <laughs> I told you that would happen. <laughs> uh, Alabama versus LSU. Please say that we... The line was set at uh, 29 and a half. I took the over. You took the under. It was actually 38. Alabama over LSU. This is so stupid. 38. I hate you. <laughs> and then... So, so oh, no, no one cares. No one cares. Five to one right now. No one now. cares. Uh, Saints versus the Falcons. Wait, so five to one? Uh, at this point, yes. Oh my uh, gosh! Why even Falcons. stop it? He's dead already. Taysom Hill, all-purpose yards. You said it at one fifty and a half. Nine three one zero. I'm so sorry. We both took the over. Nine four seven four. Please forgive me. <laughs> he had three hundred and fifteen all-purpose yards. I know we were gonna put tickets on the line for you guys, or else I would have tried harder. Uh, but- to this point, the tiebreaker doesn't matter. We predicted scores. Both of us got them wrong. I. I I did pick the correct team. Oh, I was okay, way dude. Off. No you one freaking closer, cares. You had a closer score, but it doesn't matter. Ow. So I was a perfect six for six. Uh, you got two correct. Bite me. <laughs> I hate you. So congratulations. Oh, no. Congratulations. To 9315 and 5763. We'll have our tickets, your tickets waiting for you up front at our offices, 810 West, 200 North in Logan.
Hey, Doc, shut up. <laughs> hey, uh, can we switch to football? Yeah, sure. What do you got? Oh, crap. See, now I've let down everybody. Ajay, what the heck, man? I show faith in you, and this is what happened? <laughs> Come on, man. I'm sorry, guys. I'm so sorry. I didn't know that BYU was going to choke that badly, and I didn't know that Les Miles was going to – or not Les Miles, who? <laughs> An Ordron? Boy, that's going back <laughs> Les Miles. No wonder you're struggling with pick six. You don't know who's playing. <laughs> Oh, nine, man. 9315. Thanks for the tickets. Your show is awesome. You're welcome. Well, hey, when My you pleasure. Hit, when you hit your wagon to the right horse, you're oh, going to yeah. well, yeah. come you out go. on top. <laughs> God, this is such bull crap. I'm so angry right now. So that, hey, you know what? Kudos to BYU and Coastal Carolina for finding a way to make that game happen. Yeah. Short notice, both teams played hard. Close game. Coastal Carolina on that ugly field. We can blame BYU for that. Or excuse me, Boise State for that. Um, but uh, Coastal Carolina played tough. Made more plays uh, defensively. Uh, kept the ball away from BYU. By the way, their defensive guy who was like mauling Zach Wilson yeah, after that interception at the half on the Hail yeah. Mary... He was named as the conference defensive player of the week. Stop it. You, but here's the thing is he played really, really good. It's true. I mean, that one play stands out, but. Yeah. And, and as it should. Reasons. I mean, it's what he did is not legal. I mean, look, if you knock him over once, just. I mean, it's the quarterback, man. Like, knock him down once, stand in front of him, and then you're good to go. Like, let him go. You don't need to, like, then put an elbow into his chin, a knee into his groin, and a right fist into his. Like ribs, I just—it's not necessary. But in saying that, here's the thing about Coastal Carolina: they were picked and they were treated as the underdog, even though it was at their house on two days' notice for BYU, going across the country to play Coastal Carolina with College Game Day there. They were the underdog, and so what did Coastal Carolina do? They played the bully. They're willing to go out there and just punch you in the face. Great. You know what? We're going to punch you right in the face. We're going to see what you can do about it. We're going to see if you actually want to fight back or if you're just here to try and pick up a win and get out. And you, they didn't, they didn't like, they didn't back down. They were playing to say they were the favorite, like just pushing you around. They were taking some cheap shots. But I, I think we've talked about it before. There's sometimes in a game when someone is able to score at will. And someone needs just to flatten him out, right? Like, when he gets to the hoop, just plant him and say, hey, do it again. See what happens. 2776 text in. To be fair, that was BYU football under Bronco Mendenhall referring to the number yeah, 94. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right, too. It's true. That is 100% right. That is There is no lie about it. But again, it's Coastal if, if Carolina. If your quarterback becomes uh, a defensive player, go after him. Yes. and But, uh, again, Eric. But you can do it without it just. Doing what the way they did it. It is a yeah, I and mean, you should be going out without doing it that way. But again, Eric, it's that Coastal Carolina was not going out there being like, oh my gosh, we're playing BYU. It's Zach Wilton, the Heisman candidate. It's this massive offensive line. We should be scared. They didn't go out there and play like that. 
They went out there and played like they were the bully, that it was their playground and they owned every bit of it. And give them credit for having that mentality and that attitude versus a bigger, stronger, more athletic BYU football team. They had a game plan that worked. And and by the way, to BYU fans saying, well, they only got two days to notice to play. Coastal Carolina was prepping for Liberty for three and a half days. Right, it affected both teams Don't equally. tell me that it was a two-day notice and they didn't have a chance to prep for it. You know, it's funny. Watching BYU going into the week, it was, this is a great opportunity. We're going to raise our profile in the rankings, and this is what we need. And when they lose... Oh, there was such short notice. I mean, they can't be taken. You know, that that, that loss shouldn't be taken too seriously. <laughs> you know, it's like it was super uber important in the days leading up to it, and then after the loss, uh, you know, that should be overlooked. Um, it was a ranked team, yeah, but you know, look at all the excuses: short turnaround, and we had to travel yeah, across the country. Coastal, they, they, coast- they find excuses when they lose. Hey, bingo, exactly. But they get so excited leading up to it, you know, hoping that they win. Uh, two four zero nine. Aj picks BYU by twenty eight, and now listen to make excuses. They flat out got beat. I'm not disagreeing with that. I didn't. I'm, I'm not making excuses. I'm saying ninety four bullied this team around by himself. This Coastal Carolina offensive line beat up that BYU defense. They flat out beat BYU on every facet of that football game. They shut down Zach Wilton. They shut down his receivers. They shut down the tight ends. They shut down the D. I mean, defensively, I thought Coastal Carolina was phenomenal. They were so dang good. I'm not making excuses for why BYU lost. There's no excuses to make. None. Zero. Zilch. BYU's going to make the excuse of, well, they only had two days to prep. Coastal Carolina was prepping for Liberty the whole entire week, leading up to, like, what, Wednesday night, even Thursday morning? And then all of a sudden had to switch their prep to go to B and, and to uh, turn their attention to BYU. Coastal Carolina was just in the exact same position as BYU was. And that's what happens. And again, give 100% credit to Coastal Carolina and what they did to that BYU football team all night long. One of the more impressive wins I've seen in any game, in any conference. Uh, of college football, I just I thought it was great stuff. Nine three one five. I think Coastal Carolina was fantastic. This is how you Utah State should be. Yeah, having that mentality of being the bully. Um, I think we saw that in eighteen, right? But we hadn't really seen that kind of bullying of football from Utah State since uh, since the Gary Anderson years, eleven, twelve, and thirty. I mean, that's Gary Anderson could take that squad. And go to any place in the country and say, you know what, we're going to come out here and if you win, you're going to be dragging your bodies around the next morning. We're going to beat you up. We're going to have that mentality. Now, unfortunately, Gary Anderson, round two, that wasn't the case. Uh, but I thought, yeah, in round one, absolutely. I thought Gary Anderson had that mentality. Uh, like I said, I think we saw a lot of that in 18. It wasn't so much from the defensive side as it was the offensive side. But like on a defensive mentality standpoint of being that kind of a bullish team, we haven't seen that since Gary Anderson round one years. That's that's just me. Two seven eight seven, text in. That is typical BYU. Always an excuse. It's never their fault. Boo hoo. They got spanked. Again, I agree. Again, I'm not making any excuses for BYU. I I hope it doesn't sound like I am because I'm not. 
Now, should 94 have been flagged? Absolutely. I don't know if he should have been ejected, but definitely flagged for the penalty. But, um, and, and, and here's the thing is, like, from a mentality standpoint, they got in that big, like, melee, if you will, at halftime on the middle of the field. You thought that BYU was going to come out and be like, you know what, time to shove it down our throat, time to punch this thing away, and, uh, and, and blow this thing out of, out of the water. To put Coastal Carolina to bed early. And again, give credit, give a lot of credit to Coastal Carolina for the way they played. I just, it was incredibly impressive. So impressive what Coastal Carolina did. 2776. Did not realize Alja was such a BYU fan. Again, I'm not a Cougar fan. Got it? I'm not a Cougar fan. I'm giving credit to Coastal Carolina. That's what I'm supposed to be doing, right? I'm not making excuses for the Cougars. There's no excuses to be made. They both played the same football game. They both had the same opportunities. It was all about execution, and Coastal Carolina executed better than BYU. Flat out. That is the only answer. I'm not hopping on a BYU wagon here. Uh, 9310. I met a guy in Vegas who played at Idaho during the dying days off during the WAC. He told me Utah State had a reputation for being mean and dirty. Hmm. That's... I knew they were mean, and I guess with the reputation of being mean, you're also dirty, right? I mean, Bronco Mendenhall's Cougars did that. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I can tell you, and I know this for sure, uh, the, the Aggie team was mean back in Gary Henderson's days. Really, really mean. Uh, but I, I guess I mean I guess it goes goes along with the whole dirty aspect. I don't know. Um, but uh, look, Anderson wasn't afraid of anybody, and he took that mentality into the heads of the of his of his team, especially his defense. Uh, two seven seven six. Obviously, AJ bleeds royal blue. Moving on. I love you, 2776. You're lucky I like you so much. Uh, 9315, was the bull committee correct on BYU? Yeah. Of course they were. Absolutely they were. There's nothing wrong about it. Like, look, they had a chance to go to Coastal Carolina and play a team that BYU was stronger, better, and more athletic than and got beat in every phase of the game. Every phase of the game did BYU get beat by. And that is exactly what the playoff committee felt like. And that's why they ranked them so low. Is because, look, sure, you've played these teams. The only good team you've played is Boise State. And the only reason why you beat Boise State is because they're starting running back, starting quarterback, and like four off, four linemen were out of the game, too. All starters. So we want to see you play a real football team. So BYU went and played Coastal Carolina, and BYU was exposed. Incredibly exposed. For the team that they are. Like, there's no, again, there is no way around it. All right, you guys are sick of talking about BYU. I, I'm, well, I'm sure you're sick of hearing about it too. So let's go on to some other scores. Uh, really quickly around the top 25 Louisiana over Appalachian State 24 21. Alabama throttles LSU 55 17. Nick Saban doing some good work there. Notre Dame beats Syracuse 45 21. Clemson, 45-10 winners over Vatech. Ohio State over Michigan State, 52-12. Texas A&M, 31-20. Florida over Tennessee, 31-19. Number 9, Iowa State over West Virginia, 42-6. 
Number 10 shuts out Duke, 48-0. Oklahoma over Baylor, 27-14. 12 Indiana beats number 16 Wisconsin, 14-6. Uh, that game was in Wisconsin, by the way. Uh, TCU upsets Oklahoma State, 29-22. Uh, that's a big loss for Oklahoma State, too. North Carolina over Western Carolina, 49-9. Number 19, Iowa, 35-21 winners over Illinois. Rice upsets Marshall. Not only upsets them, but shuts them out. 20 to nothing. Stanford beats Washington, 31-26. California upsets Oregon, who is number 23-21-17. And Navy over uh, Navy falls to Tulsa, 19-6. Now Tulsa turns their attention to Cincinnati. Uh, Vanderbilt, Georgia, Northwestern, Minnesota, Washington State, USC, all were postponed. So looking at the rankings, and by the way, the playoff rankings come out tomorrow. Uh, top seven stay as they were. Indiana moves up two spots to number eight. Uh, Iowa State's now at number 10. They moved up two spots. Coastal Carolina moved up three to 11. Georgia fell one spot. BYU fell six to 14. Northwestern, USC, Louisiana, Tulsa each move up spots uh, in that order. Uh, North Carolina and Colorado were not ranked. Now they are. North Carolina's 20, Colorado 21. Liberty, Texas, Buffalo, Wisconsin all round out the top 25 while Wisconsin dropped Seven spots, Texas-Buffalo joined the rankings uh, as they were not ranked last week. Playoffs should be looking interesting next or tomorrow, Eric. Look, Ohio State flattens Michigan State. They're 9-0, and or excuse me, they are 5-0 and on the season. Texas A&M is being brutally punished for one loss. They're still clinging on to that fifth spot in the playoff rankings, do you think that switches tomorrow, or because of the 52-17 win from the Buckeyes over the Spartans, a bad Spartan team, is that too much to overcome for AM, at least for this week? I think it's I think the top five is pretty appropriate. Okay. I think I mean there's some the AP and the coaches, there's some variance between Clemson and Ohio State, but I think it's pretty appropriate. Um uh, what will be interesting is uh you know, does Coastal Carolina, how how far do they move? Yeah, in the college football playoff. Yep. Um, Cincinnati is still kind of in the hunt of a. Certainly, they're in the driver's seat for New Year's Six Bowl, but uh, the chance to get into a college football playoff is probably not there. But, but if they can beat a ranked Tulsa team in back to back weeks, the season finale, and then they'll meet in the AAC championship game. Ooh, that says a lot, Eric. Yeah, I mean, there's still some chances, some teams ahead. Of, of ahead of them could could lose, and they might sneak in, but it's highly improbable. But you know, speaking of college football, today the LA Bowl got announced that they're yeah. going to cancel this year. That's where the Mountain West Conference champion was supposed to be playing a Pac-12 representative, and that game is no longer happening. Look, if Boise State wins, I think you just keep them at home in the Potato Bowl. I know that's not the most grandeur thing for Mount West Conference Championship, but this year you're just having so many opportunities taken away. Take what you can get, play at home, and maybe some kind of a capacity of a home crowd. Um, and, you know, whoever you get, you get. Maybe it's, honestly, there's a chance it could be BYU again, the way things look. By the way, not 6891 text in, at least BYU didn't have the snapping issues. Like the raging Cajun still. Ouch. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's a good point, 6891. Uh. Um. Yeah, I saw that. So, bull projections right now. Uh, I don't know what it does for Boise State because now there's no LA Bowl. They're gonna have they're gonna have to so find a different. There are to play. there are two bowls now that are canceled for the Mountain West: the uh, LA Bowl and yeah. the Hawaii Bowl. Hawaii Bowl, yeah, good one. 
Though there's still four others: the famous Idaho Potato, the Arizona Bowl, the New Mexico Bowl is still going to happen, but it's been moved, and then the bowl. Um, uh, what's it called? <laughs> Can't think of what it's called. If it's high in, it's in uh, Mexico. No, Arizona. Used to be called the Cheez It Bowl, but oh, I don't even remember now. Ah, uh, anyway, there's uh, a, there's another one. Hey, let me ask you something. Speaking of the Mountain West Conference in football, Boise State has played less games than San Jose State and Nevada. San Jose State and Nevada get it on this Friday night. Winner gets a trip to the Mountain West Conference title game, but they have to go to Boise State. Is that fair? The only way Boise State does not get in the Mount West Conference Championship game is if San Jose State and Nevada cancel their game due to COVID. That is the only way that Boise State doesn't get in. If that game is played, then no matter what happens with that result, Boise State's in the Mount West Conference Championship game. And they get to host it even though they've played less games. Well, um... The team who hosts is the team that's the highest in college football playoff rankings. Is that correct? Uh, it's yeah. According to the Mountain West rules. Yeah. So there isn't anybody ranked from the Mountain West in the college football playoff, at least not to this point. Now, there are teams in both polls receiving votes. San Jose State is actually the highest team in the uh, AP and in the coaches, San Jose is knocking on the door for being ranked. Then uh, Boise State is receiving votes. So is Nevada. But how the, how the Mountain West determines who hosts could be really tricky. Because if no team from the Mountain West is in the top 25 of the college football playoff, do they default to the highest ranked team in the... AP and the coaches. No, that's a good. I see that. It, I, it I don't is, know. and it's San Jose. But see, what everything I've read is that no matter what, as long as the game's played, Boise State will host the Mountain West Conference Championship game. No matter what, as long as that game's played this Friday, Boise State will host it. That's unreal. Like San Jose State. Like if you played. I don't know how that can be. I mean, San Jose would have played more games and is undefeated. They should, they've should. they earned that right to host that game. Yeah, I, I agree but with you. that Again. being said, they can't play games in San Jose. True. Like their game this week is being ro- relocated to Las Vegas. See, but then you play the game in Las Vegas then. Like, that's, if well, that's where that you play. That wouldn't be bad. No, I think it'd be great. Play your conference championship game at Sam Boyd. But Boise State won't let that happen. If they get a chance to host it, they want to play it on the blue turf. Well, of course they do. So, yeah, um, it's just too bad. I, I feel bad for San Jose State. I feel bad for Nevada. Um, and I feel bad that those are the two teams I have to duke it out just to get a chance to play Boise State. Man, they catch a break in everything. Like, And by the way, Boise State dodged a huge bullet not having to play San Jose State. Like, They dodged a major bullet because part of me thinks that San Jose State would have beat them. Great game on Friday, Nevada and San Jose. Oh, yeah. Seven o'clock which will be in on Las CBS Vegas. Sports Network. Yep, that will be in Las uh, Vegas. Boise State's at Wyoming. I'm going to be cheering for the Cowboys. Oh, I will be too. Yeah. yeah. And and I think a lot of people will be if I might 
be so honest with you. Hey, speaking of Texas A&M, they got bad news. Their game has been postponed with Ole Miss because of COVID issues at Ole Miss. So an A&M's chance to impress the committee has been turned away now because of their game being postponed uh, with Ole Miss. That's very A&M. You're just kind of wondering if you can catch a break because you need Ohio State to, uh, yeah, you need Ohio State to either lose a game to Michigan, which isn't going to happen. Um, or you got to be able to get games in and impress the committee. That's kind of the way things are right now. So, uh, all right, let's go ahead and take a break. Coming back, we'll get into more uh, football. There's some NBA news, by the way, that we need to also hit on. Um, yeah, there's some NBA news. We'll get onto that and much, much more here on the Full Court Press, 1069 FM, 1390 AM. But before we go any further, Nate Kregman of This Week in Mount West. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. What are you listening to? I'm listening to the bumper music. What are you watching? (laughs) A fireworks factory in Russia caught fire last night. (laughs) (laughs) Rex Chapman tweets it out. 2020 on brand. It's like it's exploding all over the place. <laughs> so, um, there was a video of, you know, I mean, it's been trending everywhere, but Zach Wilson getting the crap kicked out of on that interception. And, uh, and, and Rex replies to a tweet of the video and just has like all these laughing emojis. And then he gets killed by everybody for doing it. It's kind of funny. Oh, man. It's good stuff. I have Full Court Press, Eric France, and AJ Salvesino on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM on the mobile app of 106.9 The Fan and 106.9thefan.com if you're streaming. Thanks for joining us, however and wherever you are doing so, uh, here as we get ready to conclude another edition of the Full Court Press. Let's go, uh, let's go ahead and quickly jump to the NBA situation. Okay, first of all, on national TV games, the NBA is like, hey, enough of this. Like, you are going to play on when it's a national television game. You're going to suck it up, and you're going to play, and you're going to like it. Uh, but in regards of non-nationally televised games, particularly at the start of the season, a memo which was obtained by ESPN says the flexibility applies to teams playing back-to-back games and presents examples of possible scenarios, including to rest a key veteran player who played a substantial role on a team that advanced deep in the 2020 playoffs or to rest a player who is still returning to full strength after recovering from COVID-19. So that would be a clear nod to, like, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Jimmy Butler. Um, I'd even put, like, guys like Jamal Murray who played, I mean, how many seven-game series in that playoffs? So my question to you is, is it no longer about the fans anymore unless it's national TV and it's more about money? Because, look, if a fan pays... Five hundred dollars for a seat, just so they can go watch LeBron James play a basketball game, and to get there. And because it's not on national television, like it's 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 uh, the Lakers versus Memphis, and because it's not on national television, LeBron James doesn't have to play, and they sit him. Are we looking too much towards the money instead of the fans? Or are they looking out for themselves in the right way? What do you think, Eric? <sighs> I don't know. I I think that. Look, the NBA realizes it's a it's a compact season. They're trying to get seventy four games in. They didn't have a much of an off season. Certainly, some teams had a, a much longer off season. But 
Uh, there's going to be back-to-backs here. They're trying to protect their brand. Um, I don't like the sitting in the load management business. Um, you never saw it before. We saw the, the, the greats. Uh, they played every game unless they had a legit injury. And then you start to get into uh, the Houston Rockets who conveniently found injuries late in the season to sit their stars so they could be healthy and uh, well, quote-unquote healthy and have fuel in the tank for the playoff run. And then it started to become more and more of a thing. Um, I, I don't love it. Uh, but at the same time, I think the NBA is, is looking at it like, look, we're going to have smaller numbers at venues anyway. And we may have venues that don't have fans. So that's not let's not choose that to be a fight that we want right now. Uh, because players are going to want load management. They're going to want to take breaks. So they can be... You know, ready to go and, and do the long play. You, right? you want to be available to help your team late in the year and in the postseason. But it's becoming more and more of a thing, and I I don't love it. To be honest, I think NBA needs to fix its scheduling. This is not obviously not the year to do that, but make it so that it, yeah, adjust your scheduling. Don't do back to backs. Figure out your travel situation. And I thought they were making inroads on that before this whole COVID stuff hit. Because it was getting to be a real problem with stars resting on uh, big notable games that everybody was excited to watch. Speaking of reporters on Monday, and it was the first time for, during training camp that James has spoke to the media. Uh, he said that he and the Lakers will be quote-unquote judicious about his minutes to start the season. He said, quote, I've always listened to my coaches. James Seven asked about the load management. We had the same thing last year. We're going to be smart as we can be on making sure that my body and on making sure that I'm ready to go. Obviously, every game matters, but we're competing for something that's high. We don't ever want to shortchange our stuff. For me personally, that's a fine line with me. But understanding that it's a shortened season, I think it's 71 days that the offseason is going to be. He's correct. The shortest season for any professional sport ever. We're very conscientious about what we're going to do forward. As far as me personally, now the Lakers start their uh, season, their opening uh, season opener on December twenty second. James he turns thirty six on December thirtieth. Now the memo that was released and caught by the ESPN uh, says that qualifying factors to determine whether a player falls under the unusual circumstances includes a player's age, injury history, COVID nineteen recovery, season and career workload as well as schedule issues, including how many games a team has recently played and how many consecutive road games it has played. I feel like it's just all catered to LeBron. Like, I'm reading this. LeBron can sit out for, like, 40 of the 72 games and there's no punishment. Honestly. Well, the other thing that's not going to be punishable, marijuana. Oh, J.R. Smith is just thrilled. They're not going to test for marijuana this season. So uh, there are definitely some big changes that the NBA is capitulating to the players on a couple different things. Uh, some of it uh, maybe somewhat understandable, but others it's like, come on! I mean, who's who's running this thing? That's a good point. Uh, well, let's go ahead and take a break. Coming up, we'll wrap up here another edition of the Full Court Press on a Monday evening. One hundred six nine, the fan. Mm-hmm. 
wrapping up another show, the Full Court Press. Tomorrow, we'll get you ready for the College of Idaho. Who is the College of Idaho? What to expect from the Aggies? And we'll have our preview and predictions on that game. Hey, did you see this uh, quarterback at UNLV is in hot water? Yeah, I did. He's issued an, ap- issued an apology for eating sushi <laughs> off of a nude model. <laughs> hey, what happened during Vegas, a reality show? Which was done in February, I believe. Yeah, it's called Below Deck. And if I'm not mistaken, this is uh, it's like a, a luxury yacht that goes out in different places and it follows the crew and the different characters that come onto these boats. My question isn't so much as to why is he eating sushi off of a nude model, but how did he afford to go on this thing? I think that's what I want to know. Who hooked him up? See, there's going to be questions about that too. Like, who paid for this trip, man? Those are not inexpensive boats. No. With this full staff, and he said he five star friends. chefs. Yeah, so like, how are you? And yeah, who's giving you that food? And because the NCAA is very tight on that kind of stuff, if you're not a powerhouse program, which UNLV in football is not. So, hello. Uh, the episode is called Max and Dax's Excellent Adventure. Oh, jeez. Wow. Uh, really, and on, on other things of what you may have missed, Harden. On a holdout, still not showing up to practice. Silas really? saying, "Hey, look, if you need, if you have questions for Harden, go find Harden and ask him because I have no idea where he's at." <laughs> oh gosh, that's not going to end well. No, it's not. For- and then, did you hear about um, uh, Paul George complaining no. that uh, Doc Rivers never used him right? They they kept trying to use him like a JJ Redick and pin downs. Says that's just not me. That's not my style. And then Doc Rivers counters and says, "Tyloo was on the bench with me." It's nothing's going to change. He was sitting right it. by my side the whole time. Stop it. Paul George is throwing his old coach under the bus with his new coach hey. who ran the stuff. He's in Phil. Man, he's across the country. You can do whatever you want now. I mean, honestly, I just let it be. Hey, uh, really quickly, Dick Allen, seven-time MLB All-Star, has passed away at the age of 78. Uh, fearsome hitter who could do it all. Again, a seven-time All-Star, Dick Allen, has passed away. Uh, Tuesday, additional full-court press coming up tomorrow. Good night, everybody.